The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. This is iFanboy Pick of the Week 688, brought to you by Harry's. Make sure you go to harrys.com slash iFanboy to redeem your offer for a trial shave set. And iFanboy listeners just like you. Fanboy Pick the Week episode 688 miles per hour. Can't hear that number without thinking that. Sure. Some serious shit. I'm Connor Kilpatrick. This is Josh Flanagan. Ugh. <laughs> we are I Fanboy. <laughs> and every week we read a bunch of comics. One of us picks our favorite book. We call it the Pick of the Week. We talk about that book, other books we read, the listener mail, the patron pick, the patron powers, all the fun stuff we do every week. And we have a good time because that's what the whole deal is. That's why we're here. And uh, here's your spoiler warning it's a review show. There'll be some spoilers. Josh, you had to pick on a very weird but also heavy week. Weird week. Yeah. Yeah, and heavy. Weird and heavy. Heavy, much like the future. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I can't can't think of uh, Christopher Lloyd without making the Jimmy Gantowski sound. I didn't mean, you know, because heavy is a common phrase. It was a heavy week of comics. I had a lot of books, but it was also, you know. Is there something about comics that is affecting the Earth's gravitational pull? Yes. There's too many of them. Double shipping, specifically. <laughs> Double shipping has done it. It's going to kill us all. Yeah. So the pick of the week is Superman Year One, Book One, uh, by Frank Miller and John Romita Jr. And you might be listening to this going, what? <laughs> or or perhaps that I have some splaining to do. Mm-hmm. Is this your first Black Label book? You didn't read the Azarello Batman one. No, I didn't. Okay. So it might be. It's sort of irrelevant. What it's worth mentioning, this is a DC Black Label book, which means... It's a prestige book by prestige creators, and for all intents and purposes, it's it's an Elseworlds. And judging by the aspect ratio on my uh, digital reader, mm-hmm. uh, is it magazine size? I it guess. seems like it's yeah, it looks like it's a different like Golden Age size. It's definitely not regular comic aspect ratio. Yeah. So you might be asking yourself, really, why? And it's a it's a it's a multifaceted answer. I have noticed. In my time here at iFanboy, where we talk and think and read a lot it's about not comic prison. books, well, <laughs> there has been a real backlash against Frank Miller. Absolutely, not unjustified at times. No, definitely not fully unjustified. I think that it started around Dark Knight Returns too. Mm-hmm. Yes, a lot of people didn't like it. You don't like it. Uh, I've gone back and read it again, and I don't I don't think it's the best thing ever happened, but I, I think that it's better than the initial assessment of it by a lot of people. There's definitely things that are interesting in there. And then there was Batman Holy Terror, which just became the Holy Terror, and, and that had issues. And it's a, it's a whole complicated thing. But suffice to say, the, the point being, and then there was All-Star Batman, where I think one line yeah. 
one bit of dialogue undercut everything, and that's all I ever heard about it or knew anything about. Well, it. that that was a complicated book itself, but I think I mean we're not. This is not a dissertation on Frank Miller, and we just well, so we spent an hour talking about him and a book explode how great he right. was, and he's legitimate. He's legitimately one of the most important people to ever make comic books, no matter what you think of his current work. Exactly. I think the disappointment sprang, and I was one of those people disappointed in The Dark Knight Strikes Back, is that it wasn't like his old work, and he has grown and changed as an artist, and that can be frustrating for the audience who just wants him to be like he was, at least when you return to a seminal story. Make me feel the way you made me feel before. That's what people really mean. Yes and no. I mean, when he continued the story like The Dark Knight Returns, he continued it in a way that didn't feel like it was part of the old work, and that was that was my disconnect from it. Yeah. But, I liked, liked also Batman and Robin because it felt like it was Sin City Batman, and I liked Well, right. So, and, and the point being, I think that you know, I don't know anything about All-Star Batman and Robin. I didn't read it because I don't like Jim Lee. Right. And then all I know is that everybody said, I'm the goddamn Batman. And that was the reason, that was the most reasoning I had for anything. And it was, well, this isn't Batman, which is a bullshit argument in any in any form. Right. This isn't Batman. I can like it or not, but there's a lot of things that are and aren't. Are, there are a lot, there's very, there are more things that are Batman than aren't because mm-hmm. he's a fictional character that is super malleable. Anyway, he shows up and he's doing this, this he's going to tell the origin of Superman which is the the er superhero, the sort of you know he, he's the the seed from which all of this other industry and the stuff that we talk about all the time springs from, and I thought, well, you know who what kind of comics historian thinker uh, you know analyzer could I would I be if I didn't actually want to see well what does Frank Miller have to say about Superman at this point in time, mm-hmm. and then you've got John Romita Jr. Uh, drawing it. Who uh, I can't think of the last thing I read by him. I don't know, uh, but he is one of the all-time great superhero artists. Yes, and also a really good match for Frank Miller. It yeah. might be said, like it's actually, I, I don't think I've ever sort of put the parallels of their two art styles together, but there's something there. So when I read the book, I read it with an open mind and a grain of salt, and I thought, well, let's. I just want to see what he has to say. And before you, before you delve into that, though, I mean, yes. I think I think part of the and I was I had no I had no expectation either way. I think there's a yeah. lot of people out there who came into this with like their knives sharpened. And they were sure. they were excited to carve Frank Miller up. And, and I, that's what I, I'm talking about. I don't ever go into anything like that. At least usually. that I can think of. Because usually. But like <laughs> life's too short. There's a lot of things out there. And I, if if I'm looking to hate something, I'll just not read it. For yeah. the most part. I was ambivalent. Like I was like, okay, well let's see what it is, but I wasn't excited, I wasn't dreading it. The only thing I think a lot of people were concerned about is that in The Dark Knight Returns, Superman is basically the bad guy. And some people just don't have an affinity for Superman. You know, there's, there's a, if, if you're a very cynical person, you tend to not have an affinity for Superman. So I think the fear was, from a lot of people, that Frank Miller was too dark and cynical and edgy for Superman. And I think that was part of the anxiety going in. Sure. But all that's what, what was sort of interesting to me. Mm-hmm. Um, now, so when I am talking about this book that... I read a whole crap ton of books this week, and I don't I don't know that I'm necessarily going to sit here and tell you that this book was the best one, but it was the one that I was the most interested in and sure. I was paying the most attention to. It was the most thought-provoking because of everything you just said, because of all the history that is involved with the creator, and, and not to some small part, probably because we just spent so much time talking about Daredevil Born Again, and I just was like, well, I want to see if I can still get that feeling or something like that feeling. I saved it for last. I, I, my most yeah. book. Yeah. I didn't realize it was going to be a billion pages long. <laughs> but even even so, that wasn't even a, like it was. It was. It went it moved, quickly. It moved very quickly. It was smoothly. 
Um, you know, and the fact is, it wasn't all that different, you know, than your typical sort of Superman origin story, except we spent a lot of time zooming in, I think, on what it feels like. We spent a lot of time examining so much as Superman has always done in terms of, of his goodness and his rightness and his fortitude and his willingness to do the right thing. And this was a lot more about like, well, where does his ego come into this? Where does, you know, he's a good person in this, but he's not a hundred percent good from jump. Not that he's bad, but there's bits where you're like, well, where are we going with this? Are you going to make a bad decision here? Are you not? And so this is also deeply tied in with superheroics, but like also just high school, high school in a small town, high school in a small town in a different time. Mm -hmm. The fact that it felt like a comic book that was straddling a couple or a few eras, I thought was really interesting because then the other hand is that so many of the comics that we read today are directly influenced by writers who grew up reading Frank Miller and what came after him. Yep. And this is a person who – there's another comic book I think. The, the, when we talk about our patron pick this week, I think this is also an element. The person making it and actually the person drawing it, the person writing it and the person drawing it are both of a different – a completely different era in comic books. Mm-hmm. And the influences are going to be different. And I think that – for far too long, um, myself included, but a lot of people go, oh, that's old. I don't want it. That's a black and white movie. That's whatever. you know. And, and I've been like that in the past, and it was stupid. Mm-hmm. And it's really interesting to me to say, like, well, what do you have to say about this point? Frank Miller's gone through some shit. Yeah. Like he, he's he – uh, you know, I think he was profoundly unhealthy for a yeah. long time. His career changed. What people thought of him changed. The most lauded – person in comic books to then being one of the most vilified people in comic books what's he going to say about superman and is it even going to be uh, uh, uh you know terribly deep you know is it going to have any subtext or is it just like no nah, i think i'm writing this kind of superman story right now and i think that's what happened and i found that really interesting and i found it compelling and i had a conversation with a, a friend of mine uh who sort of more of a former comics pro but he was like I don't like the idea at the end of it, basically Superman uh, joins the Navy or joins the military. And that's yeah. like the last thing we see. Yeah. And he was like, that's dumb. And I was like, how do we know? Like, I haven't read we, it. We haven't like, seen it yet. Yeah. And also it completely tracks with the story that was being told yes. you know, in the book. It worked in the context of what he was told to do with his life. And it, to me, doesn't seem entirely on Superman to me in sort of what I think of Superman. So all that stuff together, you know, some of the teenage hormone stuff, how, dealing with bullies, dealing with, you know, like I can crush these people, but should I, you know, right. what's the right thing to do here? That moral quandary of it all. Superman of today in our comic books that we're reading now, who does always make the right decisions for the most part, who knows to do the right thing, who has the right patience with difference. Like he had to go through a thought process to get there. And that's what this book is, I think. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a different. First of all, it starts with the Krypton Mm-hmm. exploding rocket ship leaving situation and then it ends with him going off to not college but to the navy so it's it's his high school years and so in that sense i found myself saying well wait this isn't superman year one <laughs> this is <laughs> this is superman's secret origin this is, this is an origin story it's not sure year one stories are specifically the first year of their superheroing life and the, and the challenges of that so this is slightly poorly named I mean, I, I get why they wanted to name to it. To be fair, he came up with the name Year One. <laughs> it does, yeah, but it's still it's 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 become a DC brand since then, and it's not exactly accurate. Uh, sure, but also 
it's just another Superman origin story. There's been many, you know. Yeah. Man of Steel and Birthright and Secret Origins by Jeff John. I mean, there, there's been many of them. And this is just another take on it. I don't think it's worth getting worked up about. It's just another Superman origin story. There's yeah. Been, there's been a lot of them. There'll be more of them. It was weird. I actually found myself enjoying it, but it had a lot of things that it did that I didn't love, but it had a lot of things that it did that I did love. Yeah. And so when I finished it, I thought, yeah, I liked it. But, you know, I don't know what to make of it. And I think that's fair. Yeah, I think I think it looked great. I thought, I thought the art and the colors were, were gorgeous. I actually, I don't love Alex Sinclair in colors. I don't think he's bad. It just has, it reminds me of a certain kind of comic book. And I think I would have liked this to have a different, I, I mean, whenever I see Frank Miller writing something, I want it to look like, I want it to make it feel like it used to. I wanted to have the Lynn Varley colors. I want it to be flatter. I don't, it's, I'm, I'm a little scarred by having sort of uh, textures uh, mm-hmm. in the color put in on a, on a Frank Miller book, even though it's Ramita. It's just that you know the lens flarey and the and the sort of gradients and things I don't love, but it's he's a good colorist. It's just yeah. the taste thing. To me, I mean, there were problems with I thought Clark seems way too sentient from the very beginning. Like he's a little uh-huh. too old. He's supposed to be a baby. He's more like a young kid. He seems to know he's from Krypton from the very beginning. You get less of a sense that he is sort of raised by the Kents than he's already been a Kryptonian mm-hmm. the whole time. I would counter that, and then like. I like that. I like that there's sort of an element to him, you know, having been good and then that was shaped by the Kents. And, you know, he's an alien. He's got superpowers. It it doesn't entirely not track that even being in the yellow sun sort of kicks that up a notch a little earlier. Again, it, it, you know, it's a choice. It's not a right-wrong thing. And I, I think I found that interesting enough. Yeah, it was interesting. And I just, I didn't necessarily like that. I liked him and his dad a lot. Yeah. It's an important relationship that changes depending on the origin story but you know it it wasn't the man of steel movie or movie dad where he was like fuck everybody (laughs) hide your powers don't don't ever do anything with them but he wasn't also like old man pa kent who's like you know saint on earth he was he i liked him a lot he had a little bit of an edge to him too like he clearly wanted to beat up that guy's dad who was the bully Mm -hmm. i liked clark kent as a misfit in the school with hanging out with all the weirdos and nerds Mm -hmm. that was interesting although as great as Ramita is as a superhero artist, I think he's, he, it's well-documented. He's got problems with kids, so I often lost track of how old Clark was supposed to be throughout the story. Mm-hmm. He sort of forgot he was in high school at one point because he still looked like he was 10. <laughs> but I liked the relationships. I liked him and Lana. I didn't necessarily need the attempted rape scene by the bullies with Lana Lang in a Superman I, story. I had the same thought. And also just it doesn't help the Frank Miller mythos. Yes, but I liked most of it. I re- once... I liked the beginning a lot. The middle had a little bit of problems, but once he sort of aged him up and he was a he was flying. Mm-hmm. Uh, the old the, I liked the scene the old man saw him flying and dang was that the Kent boy? <laughs> once he's like on the football team and then goes off to the navy. Actually, I thought the ending was really good. I thought the ending was really strong. The whole that yeah. whole sequence where he leaves says goodbye to Lana see her on the roof. Uh, says goodbye to his family. They give him the cape. He sees her on the roof. That was terrific. The sort of the reaction of going to the naval base. I thought that was great. It, it's an interesting book. Here's the, like, at the end of the day, and, and we're using this word interesting, which is such a shitty overused word, but really that's why I was here. Mm-hmm. That's why I read it. I, I, I wanted to know what it was going to be, and I expected, and I think it was delivered, that it was not the dumb stereotype of what people think that the guy is going to deliver. No. It was a different story. It was a super it was a Superman story. It was it was a take on it. It was a thing. It's recognizable. It's it's not on Superman. It's very right. Superman. I just there's elements of it I don't necessarily think should be in there, but Sure. That's his take on it. It's fine. But it wasn't the one note grim and gritty thing 
that he started, you no. know, taken to Superman, which is the joke that people think that he is now. And the central conflict of this this issue is basically how to deal with bullies. Because the, the, yeah. for 90% of it, it's about him and his friends being bullied by the the town, you know, bullies, the gang at school, and how to deal with them. He could pick them all up and crush their heads, but that's not the way the world should work, and his dad has that ongoing discussion. I thought it was, that was interesting. I mean, that's an interesting story. It really story. is. You can't necessarily defeat him with words, but you also can't just kill them, so how do you get him to stop? The only negative I'd say was it kind of just goes away. Like, once he saves Lana, they, they kind of just never mentioned again. Maybe the theme will come up in the future books. I just mean, like, how did, they, how did he deal with them? Because yeah. he had kind of tossed them like that before and didn't stop them from bullying him, so... Yeah, you're right. You're right. Anyway, the point leading up to that was interesting. The discussion was interesting. The dilemma mm-hmm. was interesting. That's the ultimate Superman dilemma, is how do you deal with these people who are very fragile around you? It's also a really different response to a lot of the stuff that I think got him in trouble, you know, where he's like, Batman would go over there and kill everybody. And it's not necessarily that he's that I'm saying, well, now he's recanting that. He isn't necessary. It's not the same thing. But is it another line of thinking? And I like that flexibility of thought. Mm-hmm. You know, like you get the idea that people that you would think that this book would just be a hardliner, you know, and it isn't. And I, I like that it isn't. You know, the powerful person, great power comes great responsibility. I mean, it comes back to that in a certain way. I mean, it also it also isn't a story about how Superman's outmoded. And how nope. his values are out of touch. And I was a little surprised by how old, kind of old-fashioned it was. And Yeah, I liked that. It. I can't think of a more interesting yeah. book that's come out. Yeah. In a while. It's very interesting. And it's also interesting how a book this high profile has made me want to talk about it. Yeah. Is- I wanted to read it, think about it, and talk about it. And I think it's valuable for that. So that's that's why we're doing that's It's why also we're like having a very high, high level of craft. Sure. I mean. Absolutely. But also not the high level of craft that we come to associate with all modern books, which is sort of the point I was making. But, you know, because between Ramita and, and Miller, those influences run a lot deeper and further back. So they're not necessarily going to be a modern style book, but it was a mix of those things. And be- better written. I mean, I, I feel horrible saying it, but like, the, first of all, this is one of the best things Frank Miller's written in a while. Yes. By far. But also construction wise and better written than most things I read this week. And I read a lot of comics this week. Yeah, True. That's that's absolutely true. When he's good, he's better at it than most everybody. He should be. Yeah. I mean, that should be a foregone conclusion. Obviously, some things aside, it wasn't perfect, but it, there were sequences. <laughs> I was like, damn, this is really, really good. And other sequences <laughs> weren't, and that's fine. But it, like, I was like, wow, this that's really, really, really good. Yep. I'm looking forward to more should more ever come out. <laughs> I don't know that he has the best track record, and I don't know. Well, I mean, most of those Jim Lee, but uh, also. Uh, yeah, Ramita's not Jim Lee. But also, he's going to get the work done. I don't think the second or third issue of the Batman book ever came out either, so who knows. Uh But I'm looking forward to more. I'm looking forward to actually getting Superman. It is called Superman Year One, after all. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Superman joining the military is strange on its surface, but it it tracks. It it tracks. And I assume that's going to be a focus of the next issue. But this particular story made sense for the character and for the discussions he had with his father, that he would at least try that out. Yeah, and which is also going to be very interesting in comparison to some to some of the stuff that Miller's done before that people didn't like. When people didn't like it, I didn't read it because I didn't want to, I knew I wasn't going to like it and I didn't want to not like it. So I just, I, I don't know anything about it. I just know what people have said about like Matt Holy Terror or whatever it was. And in a world where there are no superheroes, why would he suddenly become one? You know, uh-huh. what he would do would be, okay, well, well, where do you go if you are powerful and you want to help 
make the world a better place? Well, you you go into law enforcement, but that's not global enough. You go into the military. Yeah, it makes sense in the in the world in in that particular world. Now, obviously, it's not going to be end up that way. He's going to end up wearing a suit and going to Metropolis. But the first step is, oh, maybe I should go do this. Oh, well, that's not the right answer. I'll go do something else. So mm-hmm. that, that makes sense. Yes, it does for this story. I also do do have to point out. I was probably more than rationally excited to see John Workman's name mislettering the book. He's true. I don't know what it is about him. I actually, I do. It's Simonson's Thor. I like his letters. And when I see he's doing a book, I'm like, oh, that's great. It's cool. He's one of the great letters. Yes, he is. Absolutely. Are you still reading Middle West? I am, yeah. I think it's one of the best looking books consistently in, in comics right now. Yeah, not only that, the last two issues in particular, I think have been really strong. Mm-hmm. I've found them very honest and very real in a way that they're looking at anger Mm -hmm. and relationships between parents and caregivers and what happens to other people when you get angry. So that it's, I mean, it's clear that this, the kid and his father get angry. And when they do that, it turns into a tornado, you know, it's a metaphor. It's a, (laughs) it's a big twirling metaphor, but it works really well in this one. Basically he, you know, he, he comes down and they, they kick him out. You know, the one lady who who sort of set this off is like, I can't, I can't do this to the rest of those people. And that is a moral gray area that is always an interesting place to be where, you know, you're reading, like, is she right or is she wrong here? Right. And and you don't know. It doesn't make her a good guy, a bad guy. Now we um, also got to spend time with the father, you know, who's, who's out looking for his that son. That was the best part of the book, yeah. Yeah, and there, there was a sort of bar fight that ensued and, you know, everything that happened in that. You know, then you've got, I don't know the fox's name. I don't even know what the where the fox comes from or what the point of it is. But like he's the the sort of driving force of trying to get the kid to do the right well, thing. He's the fantasy guide character, you know. Yeah, he's, he's yeah, the, he's yeah. The, not the Yoda, but it's a fantasy story. It's a it's a world of magic and yeah, it and is. Things. Underneath that though is a real undercurrent of truth. Oh yeah, and and I don't know exactly the specifics of you know what Scotty's trying to say here, but there's something real in there that I think is a real linchpin. It's a, it's a stake in the ground for the whole book. And then, and then you're right. Like it, it's, it's beautiful. It, it's, you know, it's the same thing. Like the art evokes Scotty. And every once in a while I think, Oh yeah, Scott, this guy's not drawing this. Part of that is the colorist, Jean-François Bellieux, but it, it is, it is all a piece. And then, and then finally, I think the thing, I think I made this pick of the week on you issue did. six. Yeah. You know, since that time, I, this, this, this is probably the, the best thing that Scotty's ever written in terms of something I've really enjoyed reading. I think it's really pretty strong. First of all, this is the first issue where I realized, okay, well, this isn't like an all ages book because this, this is like the first yeah. time there's all there's like cursing and, and no. pa- penis talking. No, Bully Wars is the all ages book. This well, is this not. could have been up until this point. It could have been an all ages book yeah. about. Yeah, he, he told violence. me a while ago that like he he was showing me the issue and and I was like, it's for my kids, and he goes, no. <laughs> so I kind of had that mind um, not to do that. But, but it's a, been... it, so it's a story about a kid who runs away from his dad and he ends up with the circus. And as Josh said, the circus kicked him out because he caught he turned to turn into tornado and put people in danger. That was harrowing. But really, it's it's a very honest look at anger and abuse yeah. in a family, and that's what I think makes it special. And, and that sounds horrible to say it that way, but what I think the honesty of it makes it compelling is probably a better yeah. way. And to and say the, it. and the. The real feeling that a lot of people can relate to, I think, is I don't, 
I know where this anger comes from. It was there. Yeah. I don't want to turn into that, but it is part of me. Right. What do I do now? And that's amazing. That's 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 really good writing. And so you take the framework of a fantasy story with with people turning into tornadoes and talking foxes and robots that build things at circuses, and you you hang it on this emotional truth, and it makes it really compelling. Really compelling yep. story. It's I think it's the best thing Scotty Young's ever written for sure by like by by far. Yep. And Jorge Corona, who's the artist, is incredible. Delightful. Really, really yep. good. Absolutely. So yeah, I've, I'm reading it because it's it's really compelling. There you go. Did you jump on War of the Realms after we talked about it last time? I War of the Realms the Journey into Mystery number five. <laughs> I have that particular issue. Uh, mm-hmm. I just haven't read it yet. That's but fine. I, so I didn't read this one. So this wraps up this little mini series where they rescue the god baby from Ares and Surtur, and. At the end of it, I, I was thinking this is pretty delightful. I think it was a real fun story with a group of characters who I don't know very well. The wrap-up and explanation of sort of what was going on was unexpected to me. Mm-hmm. The twist on the idea of Asgardians and basically uh, Freya and Odin uh, conceived the child uh, in a place that was not Asgard – it was in, uh, I guess, Muspelheim. So the baby was like, is like part of all worlds, basically. Mm. You know, it's it's Asgardian, it's a bit demon. There's also, so there's there's sort of a multiple thing going on. And because it is the daughter of Odin and Freya, the, the child is much, much more powerful than is necessarily uh, apparent. And it worked. I think it worked really well. Uh, the wrap-up worked really well, I think, uh, for character stuff. This has been one of the best books in sort of convincing me that Kate Bishop is a good and interesting character and what they're deciding to do with her. Mm-hmm. There's basically there's a bit where, where she, she sort of ad hoc leads the team, but because someone needed to, and I can't remember who the character is, but basically somebody said to her, you know, we were talking earlier how, you know, some people just aren't fit to be leaders and she, and they're like, you are. And, and it felt genuine. It felt real. And also it felt like a real nod to other Hawkeye. Mm-hmm. I always like the idea that, you kind of knew with Clint Barton that when push came to shove and he had to step up, like he would be that leader, mm-hmm. which is what I think was fun about West Coast Avengers. Yeah. Although I don't know that I could have had that thought when I was a kid, but that was, you know, and then that was carried out again when he, he came into the Thunderbolt series where he became the leader of that team where he still had the elements of being a little reckless, but he was trying to be a good leader. And then when he matures into it, he does. And she has that quality. And I think that is way more interesting than a lot of the other stuff that, that they've tried to write about her. Mm-hmm. And, you know, sometimes when you take a character who doesn't necessarily work as an as a younger character and you mature them a little bit, then all of a sudden it's fun because you've seen what's behind them. Mm-hmm. Like, maybe someday they turn Damien into a really interesting character when he stops being annoying adolescent. Maybe. I don't know. I mean, that's, that's, that's probably one of the only ways you could do it. So all that, and it was fun. I think the art, uh, it was once or twice where I was like, this looks great. Who's drawing this? And I went back, and it's Andre Lima Araujo, who had who'd been drawing it all along. And I've, yeah. I've seen his his stuff around here and there. But he's got a real real great story storytelling sense. And some of the comedy stuff worked really well. I just It was a fun little miniseries. That's good. I mean, that, yeah. that's as we said before, describes the whole event. I think it's been fun. I, I read yeah. a couple of, a bunch of them, I think four or five books this week tied, tied into it. But this one really had its own sort of tone and story that was just separate enough that takes place within everything that it didn't, you know. Some of the other ones are a little indistinguishable from which part of the story they're in. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like the 
the other one that came out here, the the war the war scrolls. Those are the, it's like a little anthology. There's three short stories yeah. in all of them. The Daredevil one, which is written by Jason Aaron, could have easily been part of one of the other books. So it, it tends to be a little less distinguishable from the main stuff. Whereas this one really was. There's we're going to do this over in this corner. Yeah, a side story. That's An adjacent story. Thor corner. Yeah, that's the best kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. So this week, American Carnage number eight, Brian Edward Hill, Leandro Fernandez. Next issue is the last issue. Yeah, that's why we're talking about it because I think we need to talk about it as much as possible. With the uh, supposedly, it has nothing to do with the, with the ending of Vertigo. <laughs> Brian Edward Hill has said this is a really hard book for him to write, and no kidding. <laughs> I was I heard I heard that uh, you know and and uh, and you know I thought okay, and then I was reading this book. And I saw it. I was like, "Yeah, this is this is probably pretty rough. I can get that." And so, next issue is the conclusion, which is a bummer. Be- and I, listen, if it's hard for him yeah. to write, then I don't want him. To, I don't want him to go into unnecessary psychological trauma for my entertainment benefit. But this is a terrific book, and it's a bummer to see it go so soon. This was another great issue. It really hit a stride in this issue. Mm-hmm. I think which brought together some stuff, and it, you know, this would have been a chapter break. Yes, I think, or the, at least this arc. Well, something sort of, a lot of major things happen. Some, yes. you know, as, as because we're speeding towards the end. Obviously, yeah, major things happen very quickly now. I'm hoping for a double sized issue nine at least. The FBI part of the story gets blown up a little bit. Plus, the white supremacist side, their group gets blown up a little bit. We're this close to knowing who Obama mask is. Everyone has their agendas, and they're all colliding now, and yep. they're all different. And the dudes going to be president or you know like he's, he's seeking that actively the relationships have switched and gelled a, a little more in terms of i don't know anyone's name i think his name's rick but um and the and the sort of white supremacist daughter and her and they're all fucked up relationship she is a jason aronian scalped character after my own heart you know what i mean like yeah, she's, just she's the most interesting character because she has totally a lot of different facts you know then we have the scary uh, Obama mask hitman yeah. who's who has a terrifying sequence where we, we he's getting dressed in, in the cop uniform mm-hmm. and we see his face in kind of silhouette like Snake Eyes style. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like he's just sort of anonymous force in a creepy mm-hmm. in the creepy racist mask. Everything is sort of coming apart. that seems as you would in a very high stake situation like this. And I and the Leandro Fernandez art is incredibly <gasps> atmospheric and moody. Yeah, a lot of silhouettes, a lot of people just in, in totally dark silhouettes, and a lot of darkness, a lot of heavy shadow work. It's this is a it's a terrific book. It's a bummer, but it's a terrific book. Fernandez is kind of a harbinger of, like, oh, he's going to be on something I really like, and it's going to go away sooner than I want. <laughs> so, like, what the hell happened to the old guard? I don't know. I don't know. That book was so good. It was like three out of four issues for pick of the week of that book. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we were we were very excited for this book to come out. It was not, it did not disappoint. It's going away too soon, but you know, whatever. I will take it at face value, and I genuinely hope that you know that's the creator's choice, and that's his thing to do it with. And if he's taken out the way that he wants to this and doing it, can't be easy to write. No, as a black writer, this issue in particular was was very heavy. I don't think I noticed before, but the whole middle section is all nine panel grids. Mm. Maybe the whole front first section, the whole FBI part. Once Rick punches the biker dude in the stomach and gives him to the FBI, after that, it's all nine-pound grids for, like, six pages. Hmm. Look at that. Yeah, I mean, if you like, if you're a crime book story, this will be a, f- not, I don't want to say fun, but a really good little crime story. Yeah, that's sort issues. of yeah. socially relevant and extremely... Hard-boiled and... Tough. It's a Vertigo book. It's the only book... 
Yes, it feels. Like I can a say this is a Vertigo book for quite a while. It feels exactly like a Vertigo book. Yeah, it has That's that ineffable night. sense. Speaking of books ending, next issue of Assassination is the last issue. I think that's fine. Yeah. I, when I read that, I was like, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I think that does make sense. This is not an ongoing. I really liked that at the beginning. <laughs> I'm sorry, I just thought of fuck talking to again. <laughs> I can't stop laughing at that. There's a sort of a, a lineup page at the beginning, and you just see like all of the characters who we met at the beginning, and there's only these five left. Mm-hmm. That's a better uh, recap page than anything else you can do. Yeah, especially when you've got all these different characters. Yeah. characters. I'm kind of hoping that Dave and Fuck Tarkington survive and can have a spin-off <laughs> book because they're a great comedy duo. Dave being the most sort of ordinary hitman named Dave and Fuck Tarkington being this uh, hillbilly, you know, a savant hitman. Yeah. It's Chris Schweitzer. That's what I love best. They're a great match. Dave being sort of their somewhat urbane-esque, mm-hmm. you know, normal dude. And so together they're funny. I also really like it, like as a gag, or even just as a, as a sort of story where, where two characters just really like each other, and you don't really know why. <laughs> they just, but they're just all for that other person. You know, it's like that sort of no, yeah, we're friends. Why would uh, he's he's wonderful, and especially when they have nothing in common. Mm-hmm. I, for some, that always works for me. And look, the story is not messy, but there's not a lot. To, it's a bunch of. Crime families are at war, or maybe they're not. This is what's sort of revealed in this issue: is that maybe the, in the whole, this whole time the original guy is caused this war to happen, and and the hitmen are all killing each other as a result. And so the, it's not really that that deep, but it's a lot of fun, and I really like some of the mechanics of it. So at the end, they realize one of the hitmen has been against them the whole time, and they're having a meeting as he's shooting at them, but the window is bulletproof, so you just get these pink, pink, pink sound effects in the background as they're talking, and it really ratcheted up the tension as he's just unloading at them, clearly not able to hit them, and then you realize that he's spelling out, fuck you assholes, on the window in bullets. (laughs) And there's another sequence. Basically, they go up to... They're taking the elevator up to the crime boss, and they uh, the doors of the elevator open, and they've made a plan. Mm-hmm. Here's what we're going to do. There's all these people with swords, and then uh, I think it's Dave just starts hitting the button. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, it's a thing in comic books that you can't have more than one action in a panel. It's not possible. Mm-hmm. So people will often write, he you know does this thing in a panel, in a script, and like it's not possible. But in this, it's him hitting the button over and over again. And the way that they illustrated that with the click, 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 and the sort of motion on the yeah. thumb. And then the guy says, hey, and then he's still doing it, and it dings, and the guy says, just close the door on me? <laughs> I've never seen that sequence in comics. I've seen it in movies. Yeah. You know, like that was a very modern movie kind of thing. It tr- translated really well to comics. The fight that took place after that was really fun. And then it, uh, in terms of sort of uh, explaining – like getting us back to where we were at the, as they sort of make the realization, mm-hmm. they also sum it all up for us as readers because it, it got pretty frenetic for a bit to sort of keep track of. It was a really well done issue. Kyle Starks is terrific. Erica Henderson is terrific. Yes, yeah, she is. The art is amazing. You're right. That sequence when he's click, click, clicking the button is fantastic. And you're, yeah. you're right. I don't think I've ever seen anything like that before. That is top-notch storytelling. I found myself really looking at his thumb at the time. I was like, oh, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, how do you <laughs> how do you portray constant movement like that? Yeah. It was funny. This is a funny book, but also action-packed. Well-plotted and characterized. It's got all the things. This is one of my favorite things that Image has put out in a while. Mm-hmm. And when they said next month's the last one, I was like, okay, that makes sense. Yeah. Kyle Stark's got to make his mark now. He's in. You watch. Probably a year from now, maybe two years from now. You'll see his name and a lot more stuff if that's what he wants to do. 
right where did i see it's the f next week's the last one somewhere i don't i can't find it but i, I definitely saw it somewhere it makes sense story-wise sure uh hey josh yes sir what do you love most about harry's it's a tough question because I like a lot about it. Mm -hmm. I was a customer before they came onto the show. Yes. You know, I've said before, the first thing that caught my eye was, I really like that orange handle. Mm -hmm. But that really was just, that just draws the eye in. And it's got to back it up after that. So I like the system. I like the price. Right. I like that I was able to jump in and sort of give it a shot without a big risk. You know, and as soon as I do, I was like, oh, this is where I want to be in terms of my shaving. And, and upstairs, I still have a little drawer that has the other more expensive brands who I this is not script by the way this is literally true <laughs> the other razor blades and and you know the fancy space handle that I stopped using immediately as soon as I started using my Harry's years ago so sort of all of that stuff together turned me into a customer and I've, I've stayed that way you like the performance but you also like the aesthetic I do yeah which is fine which is good everything about it is how I want to deal with 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 my shaving I really did it's funny, their advertising, I really hated having to ask somebody to get razor blades yeah, out. it was the worst. And every time they did, I thought, it's really this much money? <laughs> really, you're going to charge me this much for this? Fine. It's true. Going into Dwayne Reed or Walgreens being uh -huh. like, can someone open the shaving case? $25? <laughs> Are you kidding me? And so they fixed all of that stuff for me. 100% true. Yeah, and the Harry's founders agreed with you, Josh. They're two regular guys, tired of getting ripped off and paying for overpriced gimmicks, vibrating heads, flex balls, handles look like props in a sci-fi movie. Those are just some of the tactics the leading brands used to overcharge us and you for years. Harry's makes quality, durable blades at a fair price, just $2 per blade, which is not $25, as Josh said, the other blades. And to keep prices low, they cut the middleman out, got their own factory in Germany, make the blades themselves, sell them directly to you, keeps the prices low, and that's what's great about Harry's now. They provide a 100% quality guarantee, so if you don't like your shave, you can let them know and they'll give you a full refund. Join the 10 million to try Harry's. Claim your special offer by going to harrys.com slash ifanboy. What do you get for that? Well, you get a trial shave set that comes with everything you need for a close, comfortable shave, a weighted ergonomic handle for easy gripping, five-blade razor with a lubricating strip and a trimmer blade for a close shave, the rich lathering shave gel, I call it luxurious, that will leave mm. you smelling great, and plus the travel blade cover, which is if you're traveling all the time like we are, it's a must-have, so you can keep your Harry's with you on the go and not have to use some dinky razor blade that the hotel gives you that's really in danger of killing you. <laughs> so, as we said, listeners of the show can redeem your trial set by going to harrys.com slash ifanboy, and you too can luxuriate in a shave that is both economically viable, technically sound, and beautiful to look at. He just ad-libbed that, people. Mm-hmm. I just I want people to respect that, that what just happened there. Before we move to the next book, I wanted to mention that it says in the letters column for assassination, we're nearing the end of our assassin saga. So maybe not next issue, but very soon. Okay. So it could be nearing next issue, it could be the issue after. This is issue five, four. Mm -hmm. So maybe a little six, but it's not going to be much more. So much like we were talking about Middle West and Scotty Young's work, as I was reading Farmhand number nine and eight before it, I thought, oh, this is, this is really moving along now. It's a thing. I was also particularly drawn to the fact that it looks like Chew and it feels like Chew, but it's not, not Chew. Chew. No. And, and what I mean is it doesn't feel like Chew. I'm like, oh, this is this reminds me of that. It, the things that worked about his work in, in Chew are working here. And I think it's actually almost more interesting because it's pretty easy. Like you could say that Chew was a um, crime sci-fi book, you know, and they were actually going for that angle to a certain extent. It was not all supposed to be funny, but it was all kind of funny. This is – has more of a horror element 
mm-hmm. I think, and family drama stuff that is actually more dramatic than anything in Chew. Um, and then finally, the last thing I, I think I want to say is that Rob Guillory is a guy who I don't think he's maybe written a couple things here and there, but he's never done an ongoing series. I was reading through this and I thought, wow, his dialogue is really very strong and very natural. And once I noticed it, I started paying attention to it and I found that to be the case all the way through, which is no small thing really as far as I'm concerned. So I've been enjoying it and I think I'm getting more impressed by it as, as it keeps yeah, I th- going. I think you're seeing a book that's getting better as it goes. He's figuring it out. Not yeah. that it's been bad, but you can see him figuring yeah. out how to do an ongoing as you're reading it, um, which is part of the f- interesting part of reading indie books sometimes is seeing yeah. the, oh, absolutely. the artist sort of work it through on the page. He's obviously a talented artist and just figuring out how to how to do this is interesting. I, I like it. Every once in a while, I'm like, am I, am I losing the thread here? But he always brings it back. The characters are fun. It's a funny book as well as dramatic. And, you know, obviously the less overtly horror, the better. But And here we get very overtly horror. But, sure, you know, I still really like it. And he did, he, he did a couple of really great things in this issue. Yeah, and it's really interesting to see what it's coming out of and how the the mind of the writer works in this, you mm-hmm. know, cause we only knew him as the artist did that. And he put all the little gags in it. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, well, look at these other dimensions of what's going on. And this is a book where the little weird pet thing, uh, I think is absolutely needed. Yes. I know that you, you're not a Thory fan, but in this, like you need that light side of it. Cause it, it justifies the art style when contrasted against sort of the scary horror stuff. I agree with you. Okay. Justice League 26, James Tinian, Tinian? We have, it's Tinian, isn't it? It's Tinian IV, Javier Fernandez. This issue f- almost felt like the first issue where I thought, yes, this is the Justice League. This is what Justice League should feel like. This was a continuation for the backup stories in the previous one, right? Right. The last arc was them in the other dimension. And then the back, sort of the backup was Luther telling the world, hey, go ahead and be assholes. I'm going to give you the money and the powers to... Uh, exploit your darkest desires because we're all going to die in a year anyway, so fuck it. Which is obviously a very heavy metaphor for <laughs> for the world right now. And so here we're continuing that story and I guess apparently Lex Luthor died in that sequence. I didn't remember that happening but he he's thought to have killed himself for the Earth. Martian Manhunter doesn't believe it so he's searching for him. But in the meantime the Justice League is trying to gather together a group of heroes to help fight the oncoming war with the people from the source wall so they go to the multiverse like there's like a hangout club for the multiverse so you get tons of easter eggy things flashing out with the flash from kingdom come and batman beyond and superman from kingdom come and then even darwin cook's version of the justice league and people like that so you get like all those easter eggy things but you also get a sense this is a big thing that's happening so back at the hall of justice the metal men are working on the problem along with ryan Choi, and then you have Another room where the, all the detectives, Plastic Man and Detective Shimp and Constantine, and they're working on the problem along with Question, who talks like uh, Rorschach here. And then they're training the younger heroes. Like, you sort of get this tour through the Hall of Justice where you feel like, okay, this is actually like a universe-spanning problem. This feels like the Justice League in a way that it hasn't in a long time. And I really liked it. Javier Fernandez, obviously, is terrific. Also, I know that you said Detective Chimp, but for a second I heard Detective Shemp, and I thought that was funny. Detective Shemp and Moe and Larry. Yeah. Why I ought up. <laughs> so the question said Herm. I don't know how I feel about that. Really, I, I was actually, by the end of it, I was like, wow, I really, I really, really like that. I don't know that I wouldn't have made that my pick of the week. I don't know what I would have made, but that was definitely a thought I had. Are you still on Guardians of the Galaxy? I am. I am on Guardians of the Galaxy. I love this issue. 
Did you? Yeah. I love the Jeff Shaw art. He draws everyone with these strange, non-traditional superhero faces, mm-hmm. and I kind of dig it. Yeah, no, I get that. I absolutely get that. I like the explanation of what was going on with Eros the whole time that mm-hmm. Thanos was in there. I like the sort of threat of Thanos in this. I think it works really well. You know, you've got the band of heroes, I'm air quoting, mm-hmm. you know, who don't get along and the don't want to, but they all have to do, yeah, they all have to do it together. And I, I thought that worked well. I feel like it is, I don't want to say it's missing something, but I feel like I'm looking for something with it that I'm not getting yet. And that's very vague. Well, this was, I think, a way for Donny Cates to establish his tone of the book. So here you've got a giant team of misfits who are all the Guardians, and by the end of it, they all quit. So you're left with a much smaller team that's more manageable, plus is mostly recognizable from the movies, plus a couple of extra characters. (laughs) This was the setup, creating a new reality, and now we're going to move forward. Obviously, Rocket's going to come back, and you've got Groot, and you've got Star-Lord and Gamora. Yeah. Plus, you know, Moondragon and Beta Ray Bill. You got yeah, Beta Ray like Bill that. and you have Lockjaw. Yep. So this book should be right up your alley. There's a lot of good stuff in there. I really don't like that Groot talks. Yeah, well, obviously that's a problem. I mean, that really bothers me in, in a way that I, I don't think even makes sense. But there we are. I wanted to quickly mention Miles Morales Spider-Man number seven. Mm. I had been very much for this book and I am moving away from it and I don't want to. Yeah, I, I couldn't. I told you that first issue just didn't do it for me, and I didn't. I never read anymore. Yeah, this one had this was one that had three different artists in it, and some of that art was not good. There were sequences of it, and I really thought I was like, I don't think this is professional work, and I think that it undercuts the work that's being done. I, I, I think I think one of the things that's happening is that. So much product is going out that like they need to hire a bunch of people. Who so may much not product's going out at such a frequency, and I could name you five books this week whose art I thought was not professional. Yeah, it was really glaring this week. Mainstream, mainstream, big yeah. two books, not Image, not Aftershock. Yeah, big two books where I was like, I don't think that's professional work. Yeah, and I, I didn't want to harp on, I didn't want to bring it up, but like since you did, it was shocking this. Week. Yeah, it, I noticed it a lot, and then so the thing that happened in this book, which is. Not necessarily on its own a really bad thing, but is never a good sign is that they bring Miles to dinner, mm-hmm. his parents, and they announce to him that they're going to have a baby. Mm. And I was like, oh, God, that's what every TV show on Earth has done wrong. <laughs> you know? And and all of a sudden, like, then you go, well, what's the future? Oh, no. You know, like, yeah. like what are the storylines that come out of that? None of them good. Or at least none of them original or interesting. There was this little sequence, and it really bothered me, was that he shows up late to dinner because he was fighting with somebody, which was kind of interesting and whatever, and he shows up and they say, we're going to have a baby. And he goes, you know, there's the moment where you think he's going to get mad or do whatever, and he goes, it's great, congratulations. Very hackneyed. I've seen it a thousand times. Mm-hmm. And I'm a supporter of Salad and Ahmed's writing, as we've heard in the past, but I don't like this. And then his phone rings. Or he gets a text because he's a kid and let's, you know. Yeah. <laughs> he says, I got to go to the library to study with Yankee. And I was like, you didn't eat dinner. <laughs> and it just like it didn't track. It stuck out to me. And also that didn't need to happen because the next scene is he walks out of the restaurant and he gets kidnapped. Mm-hmm. He could have finished dinner and gotten kidnapped. He didn't have to run out. It was just this little like it was odd. Like, why did that happen that way? And it's not a huge mistake, but it was indicative of like a larger like this isn't between the art between the the plotting i thought the dialogue was not the best and i think that there's an active thing going on where 
they're adjusting him further along to have a slightly different character personality than I think than when Bendis was writing it, which mm-hmm. isn't necessarily bad, but it, it makes it feel weird. Yeah. So that's that. I was turned up by the first issue and never went back. Yeah. Which is There's been some good issues. Yeah. I haven't taken you to Star Wars Corner in some time. No, I feel like I'm being taken against my will, much like Miles Morales outside the restaurant. That's fine. <laughs> At least you finish a meal first, though. <laughs> I always finish the meal. Didn't even order, though. <laughs> like, the guy, had, they hadn't even... It's like, why are you in the restaurant? You could have done this in a coffee shop. Teenagers are hungry, too. Yes. All the time. They're going to take a free restaurant meal. Right. Especially Spider-Man. He had just finished fighting somebody. He burned a lot of calories. You got to fill up. Yeah. You got to refuel. I mean, regular teenagers who are not doing anything quite like fighting are always hungry. Yeah. They're growing. Nine-year-olds, uh, I can just attest to, by the way. Also growing. Yeah. Not my five-year-old. Not really into food. He's shrinking. <laughs> He's quite small. <laughs> Star Wars number 67, this arc basically has been going on forever. If you're reading the story, you know what I'm talking about. There's this planet, and it's a mining colony planet, and it's not unlike Jeddah that it seems like it's going to blow up, Jeddah from uh, Rogue One. Mm -hmm. And the rebels have some allies who betrayed them because they want the planet to blow up like Jeddah did to them. They want to get them back. And then the queen of the planet had betrayed Leia. A lot of stuff going on. It's been a very long arc. And I, I started reading. I thought, I need this arc to be over. <laughs> and then it was. This was the end of that arc. And I thought it ended really nicely. The character stuff was really good. The art is uh, Angel Unzueta, Unzueta, I believe. Mm-hmm. And he's exactly like Salvador La Roca's not my favorite photorealistic art. Mm-hmm. But it, you know, it's exactly the same. Like I wouldn't have been able to tell you it was a different artist from that. I assume that's a license mandate that that kind of art be on the book, probably. I guess, but I do know that those issues where Stuart Eminent did them way back when with Jason Aaron were the best of the entire run. Right, you're a comic fan, not a licensee. Maybe. A- anyway, it turns out this is Kieran Gillen's last issue. I think I had heard about that. He wrote a nice bit at the end. What do you think? This was an image book. I know. It was, I know, all the presses, Kieran Gillen put an essay in the end of his comic book. But it re, there was a nice little bit where he said, you know, I've been writing Star Wars now for years, mm-hmm. which is true. Yes, yeah. Started with Darth Vader. I thought, oh, sure, I'll do this for a little while. And that's going to be my last Marvel work while I go off to do some of my own stuff. He said, I'm going to do Darth Vader for a while. And then they offered him like, well, would you like to continue Dr. Afford's story? And he said, yeah, you know what? I'll do that for a little while. Make sure I set that character up before I take off because he really liked her and I did too. Well, yeah, she's got like an action figure. Like she's a whole industry now. So yeah, he's... really great character. You know, he he's left a mark that was worthwhile. And then, you know, do you want to just do the Star Wars book? And he thought, I don't, I don't really want to do that. I don't even know how I would do that. And they thought about it over the weekend and, and you know, he's like, yeah, you know what? I have a, I think I have a story or something I could tell. I'm a little worried about writing these characters. Then as soon as he started writing them, he said, you know, it, it worked for him. And Truthfully, in the beginning, I had said that Jason Aaron did a very good job at capturing those characters' voices, as did Karen Gillan. Karen Gillan is a very um, – what's the word I'm looking for? When you read his stuff, a lot of times you know it's him. He has a strong personal voice. Yes, that's a very good way to put it. And I think that he did this Star Wars book right. Mm-hmm. I think that he put the best part of himself into it, but in the way that it worked for the book. And it was not overly obtuse, and it was not it – was, it, was it was a good Star Wars book. It was well-plotted, it was well-characterized, and now he's come to the end of it. But I did like that progression of he felt a little bit drawn to continue with these after, even after he decided not to. So it wasn't for the wrong reasons. 
Right. You know, he's like, well, I, I didn't, I didn't go back. I want to say I'm just still continuing it for a little longer. It was a good run, and I and I wanted to give credit to that. Right. That's a hard job. Yeah. Draw, you know, writing the the Star Wars book, and having it really, you know, lots of people wrote Star Wars over at Dark Horse for a long time, and it was not memorable. It wasn't high profile because yeah. this is Disney and it's it's quote unquote official and. But know. I but I read a lot of it, and a lot of it was pretty throwaway. Mm-hmm. You know, because I kept trying to go. I was like, I wanted to have a good one. And, you know, 67 issues of a pretty good Star Wars comic book with art I didn't really like. Do you, <laughs> like, do you know who the new writer is? Uh, it's Greg Pak. Yes. Who's been doing the little one shots that have been pretty good. So I think that's a good choice. I think it's the right choice to not go with, you know, like a huge name. I mean, they had Jason Aaron on it, which is n- not insignificant. But they didn't go for that with Kieran Gillen. They didn't go for that. They're not going for that with Greg Pak. Like, Here's a, a guy who, you know, is a good, experienced veteran comic book writer. Mm-hmm. He's not necessarily trying to prove something on there. He's just going to do a good job on it. Mm-hmm. And also, Phil Noto mm. is going to be the artist. I can't imagine he will be the ongoing no. artist indefinitely. No. But we'll do an arc of that, which ain't bad either. So that, that starts the next month. So let's talk about the Patreon pick. Patreon.com slash iFanboy. Everyone who joins <laughs> up to become a patron can help uh, vote to add a book to the rundown. And this week... A book that took an early lead in the voting and then then held on by its fingernails was Usagi Yojimbo number one, the relaunch book from IGW, Stan Sakai, colors by Tom Luth. And this is the second time Usagi Yojimbo has been a patron pick. The last time was the first issue of the miniseries that we, we both Yes, I, I, I didn't know this was coming and I didn't know what it was. I know that I went to get the book and I was like, why is it not on Dark Horse? Did someone make a huge <laughs> mistake? And I found that it had gone to IDW. You know, and, and it's been colorized. Question. Yeah. Did you ever make it to the book? Because I'm still scrolling through all the variant covers. There's a lot of variant covers. <laughs> There's like 25. <laughs> you know what really upset me about that? Mm-hmm. It was not a listing. I had to go by the scrawled signatures, and I could tell who some of them were, and I couldn't tell whether those were. And then it, I think they explained about four of them, and the rest of them I'm just, I'm just out to pasture trying to figure out which one's which. But yes, it was a lot of variant covers. So you're in a saga. I read the last miniseries. We both really liked it. We talked about it a lot in the show. Is this the first time that the book has been colored? I don't know ever. Maybe there was a collection or there was a special thing or something. But I'm generally sure. it was black and white. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's always been black and white at Dark Horse every time I've ever read it. So that's my first comment is that I did not like it colored. I agree. I thought the art lost a lot of its specialness and with the coloring. Yes. It had a very unique look with the black and white art. And when we had talked about it before, it had a flatness to it. Mm-hmm. Yep. It had a two-dimensional quality, which I think is a strength. So then coming in with, and even more so than Bone. I think Bone is another example of a thing that was very successful and famous for being line-drawn cartooning that was black and white, and that's how it was produced, probably more for economic reasons than anything else sure. and, and expediency. But it lent itself well to being colored, because of the way that Jeff Smith's cartooning worked. And also, then they went on to sell them to kids. And if that's what gets a million kids to read Jeff Smith's cartoon, be Ted Turner. I don't care. That's not going to happen here. And the artwork has a very different quality to it. It's almost like uh, like wall paintings, you know? Yeah, I, I struggled with it. It'd be, it's one thing if the color was sort of uh, some of the more flat stuff that we're used to seeing. And it is in some places, but there was, you know, I actually take it back. The puppet show is, it's just little gradients that, I, it doesn't matter. Coloring doesn't need to be there. I don't like it. 
Yeah, I didn't. I didn't like it. It just felt like another comic, and it, it doesn't take away from the line work. Stan Sakai is a no. genius, but it changed the feel of the book completely. I assume it's an IDW mandate. I can't imagine it's something Stan Sakai wanted to do. Maybe it was. Well, I, I mean, it sounded like when I read it, and there's a there's a horrible typo at the end. Horrible. Yeah. Where they say we're really happy to have Stan Saki here, and I was like, that is the most terrible thing you could do. Mm-hmm. It sounds like oh, he's. They say it's the newest Usagi tale, so I was thinking that maybe they were reprinting. Well, they're going to be reprinting all of it in color. Yeah. We will be repressed, but this is a new one. Yeah. Okay. So, that, well, that's interesting because the, the other thing I thought when I started reading it was like, what a weird story to start with. Yeah. I, I didn't find the story that comp- compelling. No, know? it wasn't. And also it was, this is a good example of like a very mid run, like, you know, yeah. somewhere in the one thirties, this is the story that he wants to do. And I'd have been totally fine with it, but it was a weird choice for a number one issue at a new publisher. It didn't really give you any information. No, nope. uh, you didn't know who Usagi really was, other than a samurai. You didn't. You don't know anything about him. You don't know anything about the world. He wasn't in it for half he's, the book. He's not in it for half the book. The first half of the book is this puppet show. Usagi's watching the puppet show, and then he has tea. It's not that it was boring, but it just, as you said, it, it felt like something you would already been reading. And this is like a mid story. Uh, a first issue needs to introduce the characters in the world and the conflict, and, and it has to do some level setting. This didn't do any level setting. What? Well, <laughs> I am a little at odds, though, because it is one of the things, like, I just picked up a Usagi Ujimbo at some point and started reading it, and I liked that I could do that, and I didn't need any of that because it's fairly simple or whatever. However, there are different forms of that storytelling, and I I don't think you need to explain everything because I think it's pretty self-explanatory. This was not the right type of story, though. That being said, if this had been Usagi Ujimbo number 157, Mm -hmm. I would be totally fine with it because it was a really interesting he does everything. Everything is historical based. Yep. Like, these puppet shows were a thing that happened, and he talks about it at the end. That part is great. Yeah, I love that. That's the same thing, but the last one with the religion yes. in Japan, the Christianity yep. angle. Yeah, and you know, like you know, we get taught American history, but don't get taught Japanese history. So when you know you, you learn international history at other places and cultures, it is interesting. You know, it is is wow. That's this is a thing I didn't know about. These plays would go on for a whole day. It was a real thing. You know, there was a, an apprentice, and he doesn't get to do the right handed mouth for another ten years. All mm-hmm. that is great. Weird fucking place to do a number one issue at a new publisher. Yeah, and maybe that's Stan Sakai's choice. Maybe Stan's like, this is how I do it. This is what I'm going to do. Don't tell me to do otherwise. And I'm like, whatever you say, Stan Zaki. <laughs> I think the coloring really bothered me because if, you know, I'm someone who watches a lot of black and white movies. And sure. The idea, you actually mentioned it earlier in the episode. There are certain people who won't read a comic that's black and white or won't watch a movie that's black and white. Like, really bothers me. And mm-hmm. I hope it wasn't that kind of thought, that the, the reason why they started coloring it. I mean, maybe they think they'll reach more kids or markets or I whatever, assume that's it. It just as a, from artistic purity level, it bugged me. Also, I really i I love that Dark Horse was a place that was gonna keep keep this going. Mm-hmm. And I don't like the idea that there's there's I mean there's two possibilities. There's one that Dark Horse was like we we can't, we can't keep doing this. Mm-hmm. And there are all sorts of valid reasons why one would say that, and that doesn't make them necessarily bad guys or whatever. So that's one that would suck, but I get it. Two, you know, IDW came in and said, you know, we're going to offer you a better, you know, rate or or something about the deal that works that we want to do it color because we think it'll reach a bigger audience and we can sell more books and more people can be. OK, f- fine. I get that. But, you know, they've done that with other books before. 
they started releasing the colored box office poisons, one of my favorite you know graphic novels of the all last time. Last couple issues, yeah. Yeah, and I I don't want him to disappear. He got really sick for a while, which is why there weren't any issues, you know. But I don't want him to move over to, to IDW and then you know a year or two later. Us, yeah. yeah, that would be that would be such a bummer. It's such a stalwart like but you know and i'm only i'm only i'm partially responsible you know like i you know you don't you don't get every issue you know you know like mm-hmm. but i like that it's there there was a store in town that closed and my wife was like i didn't bought anything there in a while but i like it's there and i was like that doesn't pay the bills <laughs> like <laughs> goodwill they'll do nothing for rent nope yeah i don't know i was excited for this because i love the last miniseries and this kind of fell flat for me let's do ratings 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 out of five this is hard because I, <laughs> I have a lot of respect for Stan Sakai's talent and place in the industry. Yeah, I could I could give it different ratings depending on the context I'm coming at it from, but I'm not allowed to do that. A purely comic book reading experience for this particular issue, I'm going to give it a two. I'm going to go two and a half because the, the, the thing is once I started reading it, I did sort of forget about the color, and I was just like, I'm reading a Yusagi Ojimbo thing. And I stopped thinking about, this is weird for a number one issue, and this is weird, you know, being in color. And it did feel familiar in that way. So, yeah, I'll go I'll go with that. Weird choices, though. All right, patreon.com slash ifanboy. That's where you can go and vote to add a book to the rundown. Thanks for all to, those who do. Make sure you go to patreon.com slash ifanboy and, and join the – Stan Lee was better at this. The mighty Marvel Mary I fanboy army, whatever it is. It was his superpower. That was his patron power. That really was his superpower. He had a bunch of them. He's very tall, for example. I don't think most people know that. Yeah. I think you picture him as a 5'6", five, 5'7 five, guy. Nope. No, he was a giant. He was really tall and thin. The next stretch goal, we have goals on the Patreon there. Good to have goals. It, I mean, obviously. And at this age, you realize, oh, we're not going to hit all of them. <laughs> every day, <laughs> every day, one more goal goes away. I, well, at this point, we're making choices. Right. Listen, I, I mean, I can do this, but that means that's definitely not happening. Oh, well, I guess I'll never mountain bike uh, British Columbia. Fine. <laughs> because by the time I go there, I'm going to be 60, and it's going to hurt. You're going to fall and break something. Yeah, that's, there's that, too. The way Patreon works is you donate at a certain level, and when you do that, you get rewards for each of those. So $5 and up. You get a patron power. We're going to get to that in a little bit. Overall, we have collective goals as well. They've done things like bring back the Talksplodes and Booksplodes, which I almost have to thank you people for doing. And I think the listeners uh, certainly do uh, who are getting that kind of content. The next stretch goal is a non-comics media podcast. So basically a smaller, more regular version monthly of the all-media show that we do at the end of the year. They will not all be three and a half hours. No, God. I don't know that I have time for that. No, we don't. I'm really looking forward to being able to do that. So it would be really cool if – there, I guarantee you there's a handful of people out there who are saying like, oh man, I really should do that or I've been meaning to. And it, once you do it, A, you will get a certain moral satisfaction. Not just us, anybody you serve. You know, like I get my monthly Patreon thing and I'm like, oh good, I'm glad I'm still – and it, it gets automated. You don't have to think about it. It helps support things like this. Uh, mm-hmm. Not necessarily just ours. Ours would be great. But if people, you know, you're thinking about doing like step over that line, do the thing. I've listened to way too many NPR pledge drives. I'm so sorry. But if if you're on the edge, maybe make the step. And then you don't even have to think about it. It's automated after that. You don't have to worry about it. Go over to ifanboy.threadless.com. You can check out our T-shirt store and other associated products. Sundry, I believe, is one word for it. Dry goods. <laughs> yeah, dry goods. <laughs> Go to uh, Bullock and Stars. We're basically, after all these years, a dry goods store. I mean, more more or less. Yeah. 
there are various products which you can put our designs on and order, and then we'll custom print those and send them to you for reasonable prices. Reasonable prices. There's seven designs over in the store. I'm not going to feed you a bunch of lines about what's coming next. We're doing our best. Go to ifanboy.com slash support. You will find a direct donation there via PayPal if you don't want to do any of those things, but you do want to toss a little dosh our way. We always appreciate that. We appreciate all of the people who do those things. And then finally, ifanboy.com slash Amazon. You will find links to buy the books on Bixplode. You will always find a link to the pick of the week book and the music that we use in the show. Uh, those will also take you over to amazon.com. And anything that you purchase from that uh, click-through uh, will go through to help us. Uh, and we appreciate that. Yes, and as we mentioned, at patreon.com slash ifanboy, if you give it the $5 or higher level, we give you a superpower live on the show. And uh, Josh is going to kick us off. Sure. <laughs> hey Chuck <laughs> our first supporter is Morgan Barry <laughs> oh, it's your cousin Morgan Morgan Barry I said I wasn't going to do it and I was like I know I can make Connor laugh no not so Marvin, I... Morgan Morgan no I don't play any instruments um, it's an accountant <laughs> Morgan, Morgan Barry maybe male or female, I don't know, doesn't matter Morgan's power is to add an echo effect to either his own voice or anybody else's voice who's speaking, and it's variable okay. depending on the dramatic effect that they want to have. So he can make it sound as if you are shouting across a lake at a mountain. Uh huh. Well, it doesn't. It's not a vault. It's not an amplitude. No, but I mean, like that's, that's a very different kind of echo than sort of right. like your uh, your audio audio. Well, yeah, I was thinking, software I was thinking more of like a, you know, like when a song hits a crescendo mm-hmm. and then the last word of the, ver- of the verse then is hit with a delay where it's like, and everything is good, 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 good. And so, so like, there's a lot of Lou Gehrig speeches. Mm-hmm. There's, you know, things like that. But he can add that or she can add to their own voice or the voices of others in direct proximity. The other person can't control that, by the way. No, it's all, it's all Morgan's doing. Then there's infinite repeat. There's there's a lot of parameters that can be set depending on the way that Morgan wants to go with it. So Chuck might want Morgan in the control room. Oh, yeah. Wow, to add that old-timey guitar, you want to have a short slapback with only one repeat. Jack Scott, which is a great name to exclaim when you're, when you're shocked. Or if you don't know <laughs> anything about what's going on, you know Jack Scott. That's true. Jack can grow perfectly ripe fruit from his hands. Ooh. So Jack is Swamp Thing. Yes, but only fruit and only from his hands. You need, you need a watermelon? He could pop one out for you. Oof. You need uh, an apple, various kinds. Here you go. He can grow it. Can I get a Pippin' Granny Smith hybrid? Sure thing. Does it make that sound? Yes, it pops out. It's immediate. It's not like he has to spend time growing it. It's It just right. pops out of his hand. That would get problematic, especially yeah. the aforementioned watermelon. <laughs> or pumpkins. Yeah. Some of these giant vines coming out 20 feet long. Yeah, no, he's popping out. October, you know, Halloween time, he's popping out pumpkins left and right. Christmas time, maybe maybe you got apples coming out for pies or pumpkin, Mm -hmm. you know, whatever you're doing at Christmas time, whatever you like to do. You know what I want right now? Hmm. An apple pie. (laughs) That's what happened there. Next up, uh, Cody Shelton. When he's not riding the range, Cody Shelton. <laughs> Everybody has these cool names. I know. Very, it's a very like fiction book name he's sort a, of. He's a cowboy thing for sure. Been going on lately. Okay. Cody Shelton has precise control over all of his bodily fluids. Okay. And the uh, issuance thereof. <laughs> Give me an example. Well, 
say that there's a situation where he's like very hot, mm-hmm. but he can't be very sweaty. Sure. So he's controlling the sweat, where it's coming from, how much in a way to cool oneself off, you know, in a way that works. But sometimes, you know, you don't want to have the flop sweat on your head while you're giving a presentation, a even though it's shirt. Reason humid. Yeah, exactly. So there's a precise control over that. Doesn't tend to get a cold. Because he's controlling oh, the, the mucous membrane. Like, I don't want to let this out. Sometimes it's necessary, though. Nobody else is around. Flush it all out. Mm. Go. There's just the right amount of earwax. Because you need some. People act like earwax is gross. It's necessary. It's, Ears, it's both. It's gross yeah. and necessary. Great actor. You know, can, can turn on the tears in a second. Sure. Yep. Precise control of all bodily fluids. The single-named Gabriel... Has an indestructible beard. Wow. Which means shot in the beard, bullet bounces off. The sad thing is, Josh, is that he can't cut mm. it. Invulnerable beard. There's no scissor or, or clipper that man has made yet that can cut his beard. Questions? Mm-hmm. How large is said beard? Well, it grows, so it grows until... Oh! And, you know, it, he doesn't but it control. can't be cut. It just can't be cut or harmed in any way. All right. So it grows indefinitely. Well, it grows as, as one's beard does. Some people's beards grow big and furry and thick, and others, you know, don't. So it's whatever Gabriel's. Don't don't take shots at me. <laughs> natural, <laughs> natural. <laughs> you have a fine beard. Whatever Gabriel's natural beard growth is, but it, it can't be cut. So it'll it'll keep going if that's what it wants to do. But in the meantime, it, it can't be destroyed. If Gabriel lives a long life. That could be problematic. Mm-hmm. Huh. Well, but also, anyone makes fun of him, he just whacks him with his beard. Yeah. The power's given, the powers take away. Yeah. Do you have any idea in your mind of what sort of texture, what sort of type of beard Gabriel has? Well, I mean, does he oil it? Is, is it uh, Gabriel, you know, does he... Does the really oil make a difference? Take care if it of can't it? penetrate? It just can't be destroyed. Okay. You know, it can still be, it can still be pampered. Okay. You know, that's a real pain. Uh, an ingrown hair in that situation is yeah. going to be a problem. Right. It's a curse. In many ways. Yeah. The, the patron powers give and take away. Patreon.com slash iFanboy. You can vote in the patron pick. You can get your superpower. You can come to the Hangouts. You can do all the stuff there. Go check it out. And we're long again, Josh. I figured that might happen. We, we really we did a good job last week. And mm-hmm. I just figure we're just going to blow it all out this week. And that's that seems to be what's happening. Do you, uh, do you have a preference to do one of those? Or do you want to save them for next time? Let's just do the first one. Well, okay. We might as well. Okay. Ryan from the UK says, I've been thinking about this question for a good few minutes now since listening to the Tom King Talksplode. Connor and Ron used to tease that Josh hates fun. Does Josh look back at his younger self and think they had a point? This question is inspired by Josh talking to Tom King about embracing the silliness of comics in a way he didn't used to. And it's intended as a bit of springboard for you both to talk about comics you enjoy now that you wouldn't have enjoyed 10 years ago. P.S. My patron powers mentally untripping any breaker has come in handy once so far in the last six weeks. I'm glad that the power is working for you. I think that's important. Is it actually working? Did we actually give someone a superpower? I mean, if that happens, <laughs> I'd want to know about it. <laughs> that should be. That's big news. And then we'd have to choose much more carefully. I, 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 I need to prepare better. <laughs> I'm sorry, Gabriel. I could, really, I could really mess somebody's life up by not writing something down before we started the show and just being like, you're a beanbag chair. <laughs> Wait, I'm going to write that down. So, Josh, yeah. do you look back at your life and think that the Josh hates fun line 
was true, was false, was some truth, was some false? It was some true and some false. Mm-hmm. Uh, my my justification for it was always that, I, obviously, I took myself too seriously. Uh, what person in his 20s doesn't? Or 30s? Especially, or Yeah. No. See? Don't. <laughs> but my whole thing was always that, like, you know, I don't like everything, but I really like the stuff that I like. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that I have, if anything, I, I've expanded. I was wasting too much energy worrying about that, I think. Mm-hmm. And so with context, that realm of things that I can enjoy has gotten a little bigger. And I don't spend as much time worrying about why I don't like things. It, I, disaster movies. It's a really good example. I recognize that a disaster movie is a stupid formula, and uh, but I get a great deal of joy out of watching. I just saw the Godzilla movie, which is in essence a disaster movie that has all of the same notes and cliches that every disaster movie has. And when you watch them, you can check them off. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, that guy got killed in the beginning. That's has to. Big speech, twist. Right. You know, guy saves his family. And Godzilla had that, and it had all of the great char- you know TV actors that were in it at the same time with Kyle Chandler and Bradley Whitford and things like that. I can have more fun with that. I don't tend to like dumb stuff still. I don't like dumb things. I never have. Well, you just, you just rattle off some dumb thing. I mean, those movies are dumb. I Yeah. But I, mean, I feel like... San Andreas is dumb. It's awesome, but it's dumb. Do you think that... I think that... I Well, I have a sliding scale of the level of self-awareness that I think something has. And if it has too much, it's not good. If it doesn't have enough, it's not good. But sometimes it is. Mm-hmm. You know, Fast and the Furious movies are great because I'm not sure that... At least early on, they were self-aware of how self-serious they were. Mm-hmm. And they're really funny. I remember watching the first one with you like a really long time ago. And we were like, this is fantastic. Like, they don't even know what they're doing. I'll say this. I still defend the Josh Hates Fun thing from your early days. Because I think you were very wrapped up in liking what you was deemed as important or what you should like. And not yes. tarnishing your cool image of yourself. It hurts, but I don't think it's untrue. But you've grown since then. I mean, as we all should. We all grow, and you are definitely much better. There are, every once in yeah. a while, it pops its head up, but you are, and everyone has their things yeah. that they think are stupid or whatever, but you are definitely much changed since we started doing the show when we were in our 20s. And I think... Which is good. I think, well, I think that one of the things that happens Having is kids change you. Sure. Yeah, no, I can watch a shitty movie now, no problem, if they like it. Although we have seen... I saw... I've seen lots of kid movies. We did the strawberry shortcake thing. That's what everybody get mad. Like, that wasn't me hating fun. That was like, I'm not stupid. Don't treat me like I'm stupid. Mm-hmm. I don't like that still. Right. I think so much has to do when people say, I don't like this or it's not good. A lot of times they're saying that's not my aesthetic. And they want to prove to other people that their aesthetic is not the thing right. that is in front of them. And so when somebody says, I don't like Frank Miller books, they're saying that their aesthetic adheres to – you know, the things that they wouldn't have liked about something like Holy Terror. Right. And it offends your aesthetic. But it is important to understand that all of those choices, I, I, I was, you know, I make jokes a lot, but I say them seriously. So, like, I was talking about how I hate boat shoes. I hate boat shoes. I don't care if you wear boat shoes, but it's not my aesthetic. So I think it's funny. And, you know, I think sometimes people who listen are very literal. But there was truth in that. That was the most self-centered thing. Can we talk about you next time? <laughs> if there's an email... All right. There you go, people. Contact at fanboy.com. That's how you can get at the show. Josh has grown quite a bit in the uh, in- <laughs> 25, almost 25 years I've known you. Yeah. I should hope so. That's, I mean, that's the right way to go, isn't it? You, you'd hope. Yeah. Otherwise, you still have that bleach blonde hair. <laughs> be thin, though. <laughs> There's a good and a bad. <laughs> I have a nicer car now. 
you said contact at ifanboy.com, so we'll move yeah. along to plugging the things that we, we did. Mm-hmm. It was alluded to a little earlier this week. <laughs> On two occasions, only one successful. Uh, I released the Tom King Talksplode show. Tom, along with Mitch Garrods, were the first guests on the relaunched Talksplode almost exactly three years ago. It was June of 2016. Mm-hmm. Tom was just about to start Batman, or had just started one or the other. Sheriff Babylon was wrapping up at that time. Mr. Miracle was not a thing. So a lot's happened since then. You was just about to step up into the next level. And so I thought, A, how'd you do 70 issues of Batman in that time? And B, why don't you come back and talk to me now? And so we did. We talked for a very long time. It was an hour 46 show, I think. The file's much longer. <laughs> we went through a lot of stuff. It was interesting, though, because it went – I always say I like the show, so I really like this show. I consider Tom a, a, a friend of the show. He's been around for a long time. You know, He's familiar with our show. He knows where I'm coming, so it made the conversation very easy. We got off the rails really quick. It was not, I think, the typical talk about the comics that we normally do, so you get a chance to get to know the creator. And also a lot of – like we, we talked about a lot of stuff that's been going on in the news, like what is this about? And he just tells us because it's easier than than being – cagey or whatever but also an insight into the mind of a guy who's really had an interesting career in comics in the past you know five years or so we mentioned the book explode that we did alternately with the talk explode we talked about daredevil born again frank miller david mazzucchelli and uh, so it's been a lot of frank miller talk more in the last month than we've had in years mm-hmm. and uh it's been good so check that out and of course uh you guys saw x-men dark phoenix yeah, and i think the show on that is there And I think that we will never mention it again. (laughs) Also, coming up in two weeks will be Spider-Man Far From Home. I'm not sure when that's going to come out because the movie comes out over the American July 4th holiday weekend. So we need to figure out how that's going to happen. But it will come out. The show on that will come out at some point. Listen, everybody listening, I mean, the vast majority of people listening are going to go see the movie. Mm -hmm. We will go see the movie also. And then you you will get our take on it as soon as we're able. Yeah, as soon as we're able. Probably that weekend, That's how we're gonna... but who knows? We haven't talked about it yet. It's just holiday weekends are tough. Connor's very invested in getting them out as soon as – much more than I am. So he'll make that happen. I won't take any credit for it. And then uh, there will be an animated show sometime in August. So there will be some shows coming out the next couple – some extra shows coming out the next couple of weeks. So in the meantime, head over to fanboy.com. You can find all the shows we just talked about, all of our podcasts. All of our old written content is there, more, most of it anyway. And you can find out what the pick of the week is before the show comes out by liking facebook.com slash ifanboy or following us at ifanboy on Twitter and following at ifanboy comics on Instagram where in addition to finding out the pick, you can also see the best of the week in panels feature and whatever random stuff comes out. I think around during Comic-Con, there'll probably be a lot more stuff posted there. We used to post Comic-Con video and pictures onto our Twitter account, but I think now we'll be switching over to Instagram for that. So you can check that out during Comic-Con in a few weeks. And follow us individually at J.A. Flanagan on Twitter or Instagram and follow us. <laughs> follow me! It's a wrong, it's a long, it's been a long day. It's only a couple hours. At C.S. Patrick on Instagram. If you like this show, you like any show, make sure you support it. Same thing we talked about with Patreon. Leave reviews, leave a star rating on uh, Apple Podcasts or, or whatever that is. Support the shows that you like. That's a really good way. It lets, you know, folks who are browsing around like, oh, this is worth my time because the, all these people have... Taking the time to give it a rating. It's a really easy way to do that. It doesn't take you very long. Rating. Or tell people about it on social media, in real life, however it is that you want to recommend things that you love. Please do that. And I, and I see it a lot. And I see people recommend our show along with other shows and their own shows. Don't do that so much. Let somebody else do it. And that's that's about it. So so thanks for everybody who did that. We have to stop these shows from getting so long. Yeah, it's, it's a problem. It's fun. This This part, super fun. Other parts on either side of it, not fun. Yeah, now I'm going to go edit a lot. Yeah, that's the part I was talking about.
Till next time, I'm Connor. It's going to be shorter next time. I'm Josh. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you.